stories, real stories from real midwives. This is Head On View. Day in the life. <laughs> she said what? These are our stories. Hello and welcome to another episode of Head on View podcast. I'm Carly. Laura. Penny. This week we are talking about birth trauma, which I think has been very all up on the socials and a lot of people talk about it and recognise it now, um, Mm -hmm. which I guess they should because statistics show that one in three Australian women have experienced birth trauma and one in 10 emerge from childbirth with post-traumatic stress disorder those figures are crazy considering something that i think even even like two or three years ago this wasn't really this wasn't really a big issue that like obviously was happening but i don't think people were really um like talking about it a lot i don't think people were aware or even thought that um trauma from birth was a thing unless you know there was a fatality i think people were just like no no that you know you have a healthy mom and a healthy baby but like healthy includes your mental health right Mm. for a while i think people just put so much trust into medical profession and women started coming out the other side really damaged and mentally incapable of parenting i read about traumatic births and post-traumatic stress you know that has come from traumatic births has leads to marriage breakdowns ongoing mental health issues like anxiety and depression inability to bond with your baby, bond with your child. So it's like a huge host of issues that have arisen. It's not just, oh, I found my birth very traumatic. There's like ongoing issues. But I also think it needs to be acknowledged that one person's trauma, another person's trauma as well. How we as midwives can just look at a birth history and be like, oh yeah, fine, no biggie. And then you speak to the woman. She's like, oh, my last birth was so traumatic. And then you look at the notes and you're like, oh, she had like a Von Tussen 500 mil, which is a PPH, just blood loss. You know, you do, when you just look at that, thing, yeah. that doesn't sound traumatic. That sounds like every second birth that you are at. I know. What are your thoughts, Penny? I've had a number of clients recently in the MCH service that have been very, that had recent traumatic births. And you talk about it a little bit, but in our service, you don't really like to sort of dwell on it initially because you know, they've had all that discussion and it usually comes back eight months later, six to 12 months later, had a really bad birth. Like one of my clients had a really traumatic birth last year during COVID, which just made it so much more difficult for her. And then she talks to other friends of hers like, oh, you know, I had an eight hour birth, blah, 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 blah. And people like, oh, you poor thing. That's a really long hour birth. And she's like, no, what about me? And she goes, I just wanted someone to tell me it sucked. I had a really yuck birth and just someone to acknowledge how everything was going. I've had a healthy baby, you know, your baby's now crawling and doing all the right things. Yeah, no one really acknowledged that. Do you think how you said that we don't like to dwell on things that that is making the issue worse? Because by sort of glossing over and we're not acknowledging and we're not talking about it, it's making women feel that maybe they shouldn't be feeling this or their feelings aren't valid. Maybe women feel like their feelings aren't valid because they have a healthy child, right? In Australia, as a first world country, our mortality rate is very low for mums and babies. Where in third world countries, it's higher. But 
you know, how many times have we heard this in our profession? And from a personal experience, it's been said to me as well, don't you want a healthy baby? Or don't worry, at least your baby's healthy. You know, baby's healthy. And when they're like, oh, the most important thing, you know, you've got a healthy baby, you're healthy, you're both alive. Yay! <laughs> that you both come out alive. <laughs> yeah, but like six months down the track, the mother cannot parent. And she doesn't know why. And as women, we're so used, this might be a, a great generalization, but I think like as women, we're sort of used to just carrying on and getting it done right? And if you're home with the child that depends on you for everything, you sort of feel like talking about how your birth was so traumatic and how it's changed everything as you, as, as a woman, as a, a wife or a partner or a parent, you think talking about that is a bit ridiculous. People talk about trauma in their birth. I often will sit there and think that doesn't, like you said, Carly, that doesn't sound traumatic, but for that person, that's traumatic. Do you feel like as health workers, like we have the resources to deal with this? I know I feel like where I'm currently working, we don't have the resources. So when I was previously at the public hospital where you guys worked, we could just refer to social work, you know, which isn't just for, you know, people who can't afford stuff or, you know, with addiction problems, but also then they would have the facilities to then refer on psychiatrists or psychologists I never remember which one is which but now I'm you know on a contract in this private facility where we don't even have social workers to refer to so it's mm. more like you have to go back to the obstetrician and then it's on the obstetrician if they deem it necessary to refer to someone but then the woman's supposed to go and then follow up and make that appointment and that they're paying for it as well because it's private. Do you think many women, as far as like from a healthcare perspective, and Penny, I think you'd probably have a very different perspective being seeing women like further down the track as well. We see them sort of two or three days, maybe a week after their birth. I didn't realize I had a traumatic birth with my first until about a, a year or two after I had him. It didn't dawn on me that what had happened to me in my labor and birth affected me as a woman and as a mother and by that time I'm lost in the system I you know like I can say something to my maternal child health nurse but what's really going to happen from that so I feel like as a as a midwife in the public health system all we can do is what I would say like acute care and work out if this woman's at risk but how do you figure that out if you don't think that birth looks traumatic on paper right I definitely agree in the hospital that it's such focus away from the type of birth. I mean, if it's a really you know, traumatic according to the doctors, then they come and do the debrief. And we're so focused on, you know, getting them to feed, getting them to start looking after their baby that we don't really acknowledge the birth. I mean, when we finally sort of, you know, have two seconds to have a chat about it, they kind of don't really want to focus on it because they're so in this adrenaline bubble of having this newborn. One of my clients, I did a home visit for and I'm like, you've had a really bad traumatic birth. How are you coping? And she's mm. like, oh, well, the doctor spoke to them a little bit about it, but they had extensive, had extensive follow-up, but they had no idea about what, why they were having that follow-up, for example, with a physio. And it was only two or three weeks later. She's like, I'm actually not doing that great. You know, there was a, a number of issues that 
confronted that and as their first baby too. So the things that I would think, oh, how did that get to that stage? They were just like, oh, well, we just followed the doctors. Which leads us to lack of informed consent, Penny. (laughs) Exactly. And most of these people don't know why these things are happening. They just think, oh, I'll push out a baby. I won't know that I'm going to have a blood loss or I'm going to be teared from first to fourth. Did you read the article I read? I read an article, really interesting article from 2019, which is not evidence-based. It was just quite a, maybe, I guess you could call it an opinion piece. And maybe they spoke to some women and got the opinion of some women. And women were using words like, they felt bullied and they were terrified. And one woman even said she felt mutilated. So I think, you know, we've heard that term obstetric rape. Yeah. And I've heard that before where women feel like they're being touched and procedures are being done to them and their baby and their body without them actually really being informed about what's happening. And you can have a woman with a completely normal physiological birth, but she's never actually been asked, can we check this? Or can we touch you here? Or can we try this? And that's trauma. I think um, that's something I'm very mindful of in my practice, always asking and saying before I'm going to do anything, especially when you're doing things like vaginal exams, you know, I'm going to, and you always start, okay, is this okay? Yes, okay. You can tell me to stop anytime you want. But how many times have you seen things like, I've, to be honest, I've seen it. I've even seen other midwives do it. Okay, we're going to do this. Okay, I'm just going to break the waters. Like, that's a procedure. I did a VE while I was there. I just did a stretch and sweep. Also a procedure. You need to get someone's permission to yeah. do that. I even ask women when I'm, help, like, as an LC, and I go in and we need to do some hand expressing, or I need to show them how to do certain things. I say to them, is it okay if I touch your breasts? Yeah, well, isn't that why you're here? I'm like, no, I don't have to touch your breasts at all. (laughs) But I have to ask before I touch. You know, when women say to you, I'm I'm sure you've all heard this, where they all say, oh, well, everyone else has seen everything and done everything. You might as well do this. And I'm like, okay, there's so many things wrong with that statement, Mm. but it's been normalized for women to just let people do shit to them because they're pregnant. Yes. I don't get this. And that's one of the worst things I hate when people say, oh, well, I'm losing all my dignity. It may as well start now. Like, I really hate that. I'm always like, no, why? You don't have to lose. Like, <laughs> why, why do you like, have to lose your dignity when yeah. you give birth? I don't understand. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm always like. I'm like, it's not dignified if you're giving birth and, they, and things happen when you yeah. Do people good. say this to you, Penny, in your job and community? Do they say everyone saw everything and that do you think that's where trauma comes from i even had one nurse tell me oh you shouldn't really dwell on it too much and because then you're just sort of making the problem worse which is a terrible thing to say what do you do if someone's you're doing like a six-week check and a woman says to you the woman says to you like i still am having flashbacks from my birth it still terrifies me yeah that usually happens about the four week the four week check but usually i check on them at the two week but the four week is kind of where everything kind of just escalates you have that discussion so how are you coping from the birth you know and if you do the epds and regardless of what that says it's what they're actually telling you face to face because i had a woman who was literally smiling at me going everything is totally fine 
And I'm like, okay, we'll just do this quick questionnaire because we should. And then she scored really high. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, oh, I'm just not coping. And I was like, no, if I didn't do this for the first half of the consult, I think you're absolutely fine. So we have an enhanced maternal child health to help support, you know, vulnerable women. Um, usually I refer them on to their GP to get a mental health plan to go sort of speak to a psychologist or a counsellor. We have a specialised um, psychologist that we can refer them on to. And there's also like a specialised sort of women's clinic that monitors, you know, everything regarding physio or counselling or anything to do with sort of mum and baby. Anyone listening, sorry, the ED, what is it? The EPD? Edinburgh postnatal depression scale. Do you feel like that, you know, you say you put in these referrals, is it up to the woman then to, to, you know, make these appointments or will these professionals like follow up with her? Um, It is up to the woman, unfortunately. If I say, would you like to be referred on to her enhancing, they need to consent to that. So it's all sort of, unfortunately, like the service I work in is voluntary. So it's really, you know, up to them. Obviously, if there was some major concerns, then we would refer on to sort of a a child protection or something. But ultimately, it's sort of their ownership of it. Um, But then I usually try to follow up a week or two later because usually at the four-week check, we don't see them for four weeks. And that's a really long time. Yeah. I try to do a little bit more than what the job entails so I usually try to follow up and say how are you going did you manage to to do this and I find most women if given the opportunity they will follow up with it it's unfortunately the ones that yeah don't and get a little bit lost and then you know if you're seeing just one person for one four week check and they're going to see another nurse it just really depends you connect with a midwife and you are like in home visiting just with domiciliary where, you know, I'm seeing them two or three days after their birth. If you connect with them and they ask, they start asking you about, you know, oh, I lost a lot of blood. Why did I lose a lot of blood? Or is that a bad thing? Or, you know, someone who's really not, they haven't been debriefed. I say to them, have you been debriefed by a doctor about your birth? Most women say, yeah, someone came and talked to me. But did they debrief you and tell you what happened? And most women just say no. They just like, oh, sort of, but I was, I was pretty tired and the baby was crying or I just figured I'm healthy and the baby's healthy, so it's not really a big deal. But, yeah. you know, three days down the track, they're like, mm, my husband, it's usually the partner or the husband or whoever, the support person that was with them that's like, oh, I had a father say to me every time I close my eyes, I see all the doctors and the blood and the... So I'm like, okay, <laughs> wife will be sitting there. I'm fine. He's not fine. <laughs> so yeah, I guess when there's birth trauma with partners mm, too, right? And someone seeing something happening to the person you love and being very powerless and not being able to do anything about it and not always understanding yeah. what's happening. Yeah. And I, I think that's something as midwives that, you know, I remember as a student, a midwife saying to me, go tell the father what's happening. I was like, oh, okay, like, that makes sense. But I feel like that doesn't really translate anymore. I don't, I don't know if I've, as a midwife, if I've just become so busy, I've lost my way with that or... Do you think you've ever seen any traumatic births or incidents that has affected you and like affected, like changed the way you practice? Yes and yes and no. I've had births that have 
made me not want to work in birthing anymore. But I, I honestly think it's because of my own trauma from my own first baby. Yeah. Um, and I actually think it derives from that. I think it's so far back. And he's like, what, 14 almost? It's, it's so deep-seated within me that I have trauma from that. But then I relate that to something that's happening in birthing. But in terms of anything that's um, changed my practice, it's usually babies, babies that stop breathing. <laughs> I feel like I've done a lot of neonatal code blues. So now my practice changes in terms of after a baby is born, making sure the baby, you know, has a clear airway and, you know, things like that. Mum's not blowing gas onto the baby or something. That when back when I worked in birthing, those were things that changed some of my practice. Mm. But I had one particular um, birth that was so traumatizing to me. I reckon I reckon I don't even remember half of the birth. I can tell you what happened. All I know is that I, I, I almost walked out of the room. Like I found a wall and like laid myself against it. <laughs> and I've, I don't think I've worked in birthing since that particular week. I definitely mm. think for me, like it's not something I could work in full time as, as just like a midwife who does, you know, like in birthing. And I see some people, mm. all the area they work and I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. I get very burnt out and it gets very, I mean, you can go and have like lots of beautiful births and, you know, nothing. But then I feel the traumatic ones can really hit home and just make you step yeah. back and go, you know what, I need a break from this. Kind of contributes as well to what we call burnout as well. Yeah, true. And I think all of us as midwives and the amount of time we've practiced as midwives, we've all probably could name like a handful of times that we can remember quite vividly as it being traumatic for us. But I feel like we don't do anything for ourselves when it comes to birth trauma. We just like concentrate on the woman and her family and what's happening with it. But we don't do anything for ourselves. Yeah, you know, like when you had those awful shifts and everyone's like, I'll go home and have a glass of wine. And, or, you know, or you might have at work as well, an official debrief and, and you talk, sometimes it's more talking about, if, you know, acknowledging what you did and looking at where you could improve your practice, which is good, but not always acknowledging how it. Have you ever had, either of you had a birth that's like traumatized you? Definitely. Yeah. I remember yeah. I was, working and we had a number of fetal deaths in utero and I was looking after one of their patients like sort of post it and it was just awful and it was in a stretch of like that it happened in a week so our mm -hmm. the employer organized for everyone who was still been working that week to sit down and debrief about it which you know we all sat down and you know, they said, oh, what's the purpose of you all being here today? And then someone said, oh, we've had a number of FDIUs in the last week. And the, the person was like, oh, what's an FDIU? Well, you know, what really is the point? It's sort of the sentiment behind trying to organise the debrief was really good. But if they just sort of don't know what you're talking about, it just, you end up feeling disconnected from the person. And it just, it was almost better to go and debrief you know, with my other half who actually supported me better than some random person who's their job. But Your other half actually knows what an FDIU is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's become a fake midwife. Yes, he has. <laughs> what about you, Carly? Have you had any? Yeah. Well, I think, I think you have. I probably think you've had more than oh, us. Oh, you've had the worst. Birthing. 
definitely have. Like, I've, had, I've had a few and I feel I talk extensively with people afterwards and, you know, I, I cry a lot and drink a lot. <laughs> and then I always think, like, I always come back to, oh, God, what could I have done differently? Like, did I, did I cause this, but did something that I did or didn't do make this situation worse? And, you know, I feel like I'm always going over in my head, okay, if this ever happens again, just differently. But I don't think I've ever done anything where it's like, oh, God, this is your fault. Even if you sort of blame yourself, it's not your fault, but it always feels like your fault because you're like, this was my job to be there and to help this woman and this baby. And yeah. what happened? This woman pushed a baby out on the ward, second baby, beautiful birth, as in she, I hardly did anything. She reached down. I was like, reach down, grab your baby. Everything was great. Beautiful. Baby was fine. And the baby was on her chest and she was sobbing. I'm, I'm like, she's sobbing because she's happy. Is she sad? Is she? And I'm looking at the father and he's crying and I'm like, what's going on? And I realized after they started saying things to me, she kept saying, this is not how, this is not what I wanted. I wanted a cesarean. What? Why would? And to me, that's crazy because I've had two Caesars. I would have loved to have a vaginal birth. And I'm thinking, what? Like, that was just like the most beautiful physiological birth ever <laughs> that you can get in a hospital on the ward. And she, and then, you know, we wheeled her into birth suite. And I was, you know, before I left, I, you know, I chatted to her and she said, thank you. And I said, oh, why did you want a cesarean? And she said her first birth was so traumatizing. She said like she has nightmares about it. And the last thing she wanted was to give birth vaginally again. She said the feeling just made her want to vomit when she knew she had to push her baby up. So to me, and when I look back at that situation, I never even looked back at what her first birth was like. What I need to derive from this and like what I need to learn as a midwife is that her birth is what some people would just love to have. I would have loved to have a birth like that. But for her, it's soul destroying, traumatizing. It's going to traumatize her. She's going to need help, right? And I just remember thinking, why, why would someone want a cesarean? And then I realized that my practice and like, I think I guess in terms of like a birth that changed my practice was probably a birth like that, where I realized sometimes listening all the time, listening to a woman who says, yes, I know I've had a normal birth first time, but it was so traumatizing and I can't go through that again because I got postnatal depression and I got PTSD and my marriage nearly broke down and I couldn't parent well. I want a cesarean. That's her choice. I found out later, no one honored her choice when she asked for it. They also don't be ridiculous. You've had a baby before. You can do it again. You know, and we say that all the time. Oh, it's your choice. You know, you choose. It's your baby. If you want a formula feed, if you want to do this, you want to do that. But there is still judgment. People do still judge. They go, ah, oh, she's formula feeding. Oh, there's nothing wrong. If she can, you know, just little things like that. And it's like it's those tiny little things that we say that I I think women hear more than like the information we're spouting out them about tummy sizes and nappy changes and all this other stuff. They're hearing other things. They hear what we say at the desk. We hear, they hear what we say at the end of a birth, they hear it. And then later they're traumatized by it because they realize that they've 
heard something or they've realized that something didn't go right and they've not been counseled. Off. I, I also think a previous topic, social media also plays a very important social media has helped create awareness of birth trauma, but it's also created this sort of pristine image of this perfect woman who's had a, a nice, you know, beautiful normal delivery and there's a photo of her and her hair and her makeup and looking absolutely so perfect funny. and the baby attaches to the breast and she's up walking uh. around and her stomach's flat in three days and women who see that go, oh, why didn't that happen to me? And, you know, why is it so difficult for me uh. to have this birth compared to that birth? And then oh, I saw a post ages ago that someone's like, oh, you had a cesarean. That doesn't mean, you know, you gave birth. So you didn't push the baby out. And then we were like, oh, you know, I must have a normal delivery post to Caesar because, you know, then I'm giving birth to my baby. So when I tried for a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean, with um, my second, at the time, I didn't care so much about having a vaginal birth. What I cared about was having a choice to have a vaginal birth and to be guided and helped with that. But what I quickly found out was that no one wanted me to have a vaginal birth and I was not at a high risk, but it was it not frowned upon. It was just like, it would just be easier if you had a season. That was, that was the basic thing that kept, and I get, I had things said to me like, you don't want your baby to die, do you? No. <laughs> Who wants that? It's a really hard line because obviously we need to, we need to educate people about the risk. And sometimes risk, but there's a way to say something. And I know sometimes you don't want to touch on the things going, oh, well, if you do this, the risk is stillbirth because that is essentially saying your baby's going to die. You know, but you need, you do need to educate people on the risk, but there's also a way <laughs> to say things as well. Like saying to someone, oh, you, if you do this, your child's going to die. Of course, that's like not appropriate. And of course, no one's going to go, okay, yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it then. You know how many times we hear it? All medical professionals, I've heard it this year. I've, I've heard it before. And I'm just like, why the fuck would you say that to someone? Like, that? there's no reason we don't get taught really socially, like how to speak to, like, there's some subjects that are really hard to bring up. You know, we think your baby has Down syndrome or we think, you know, this is wrong or we think that, you know, there's some subjects that are really inherently difficult to bring up with parents, but I don't think it's hard to inform a woman <laughs> of her choices, right? Yeah, I think next week we will chat about something a little bit more lighthearted, just so it's not so intense yes. every week. But definitely. Well, it's not, you know, but there's like a whole movement, Carly and Penny, yeah. I don't know if you know about this, about reclaiming birth back as a rite of passage for women, whether you're having an elective Caesar, whether you're having a normal birth at, at home or in hospital, or you're having your fourth Caesar, it doesn't matter, but it's about reclaiming birth for women and... It, you know, choices and informed consent and all these sorts of things. And it can be a heavy subject, yes. It, it has to be acknowledged. I would like to get some guests on. I'm rustling up a few guests to talk about their birth so we can get a little bit of a... Insight, um, like the mothers. Insight, people who are, are midwives and are not midwives as well. So we can hear a little bit about stuff like that. So if I guess we could also say if anyone's listened to this podcast and something's been brought up by this podcast and you feel like you need to talk to someone, obviously, if you're Australian, there's lots of things like Beyond Blue, the Australian Breastfeeding Association, 
uh, Panda, which are all really good places and seeing your GP or your own mental health provider, someone that you trust. And also if there's something we've said that you agree with, disagree with, think, you know, that we should be doing differently. Or, you know, if you're like, I really think midwife should have done this, then let us know. Yeah. Like, send us a message or drop a comment. And, yeah, um, and if you want to be a guest and talk about your birth and you want people to know how you went and what your view is, then hit us up and let us know. All right. So until next time, ladies and other people who listen who may not be ladies, everyone. <laughs> Anyone. Uh, give us a follow on our Instagram head on view podcast and obviously get in touch if there's anything you like to tell us. Um, and yeah, give us a follow on the podcast platform, wherever you're listening and subscribe. Bye. Yeah, definitely. Woo, bye. Bye. And be sure to tune in next time for more laughs, thrills and real stories from real midwives on head on view. Recording.